back. Welcome in again to another edition of the College Football News Podcast. As always, Nick Shepkowski alongside Pete Butek getting you set for what's going to happen in week eight. We're getting closer to the end of this thing than we are to the start, Pete. What's happening? It's weird you forget that the thing goes so by so fast. I mean, the NBA season's just about to kick in, and it's not going to end until, what, you know, August of next year? Things just last forever. Uh, baseball's still going on. I mean, th- these other leagues just take forever, and college football, it's like that. You have three months, and you're done. So we're already at the midseason. It's kind of crazy how fast this thing goes. It definitely is that. Not the biggest slate of games for Week 8, Not a ton to get overly excited about. Starts off Friday night. Ohio State goes on a road. They play what you would think resume-wise. Oh, it's probably a good team that they're playing. Go on the road, taking on the team they played in the Big Ten Championship last year. Don't you disrespect the Big Ten Championship rematch here. Oh, boy. That Northwestern thing, give me one reason why it's compelling with, say, I don't know, 20 minutes to go tomorrow night. This is why point spreads were invented. You're hoping that's a tight game. Here, the thing about Northwestern is they're painful to watch, but they've always been painful to watch. They were painful to watch last right, year, Right, but too. they at least were kind of interesting when they Competent. Been they were able to win, yes. yes. A funny thing happens, though, when you have to play Ohio State, which they didn't have to do last year, when they have to play a Wisconsin team that's not awful like it was last year, or Michigan State, an improved team there. This team's just beaten up. I mean, Stanford and Northwestern are in the same boat. They both took each other out in week one. They they just neither one has been able to recover from that game. Northwestern still got enough of a defense where they can just sort of hang around. If you remember the Wisconsin game at all, they didn't have any offense, but they just refused to die. It's like, are you don't, when will these people know when they're conquered? It, they, Wisconsin destroyed them, but then they just kind of kept hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. The final score looked all right. That's kind of Northwestern. Maybe they'll just drag Ohio State down in the mud with them. It, that's, I think, their only hope. And I saw the athletic piece that was out this week of the history of Northwestern and Ryan Field and the long, slowing oh, down God. grass. I don't read think the athletic. that's not going to happen. I don't see good things happening for Northwestern. If anything, give me the under in that as uh, Northwestern tries to dumb it down. That's the only thing I like so much. Unless in Ohio State gets it themselves. I mean, there's never that thing, but you're right. They they, they are going to hang around just enough. They'll slow it down, and Ohio State isn't going to care because Northwestern might never, ever, ever score. So there are some games of consequence. Uh, Wisconsin and Illinois, probably the same thing. Big Ten wise, the other unbeaten's in the Big Ten. But what- Illinois scores, by the way. That's I, I know it's Wisconsin, but this is their first road game since August. They've played five straight home games. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but Illinois, even to get they they managed to put points up on the board. They just they don't seem to stop anybody or play a full 60 minutes, but they can at least score a little bit. Yeah, they can score a little bit. Maybe make it interesting, I suppose. But God, yeah, that's that's a 30-ish point spread too. It's just one of those of our all right, you're unbeaten in the Big Ten. The ones going on the road, you're not too worried about Minnesota. Yes, those Minnesota Golden Gophers, chance to go 7-0 and as they go to Rutgers. Really no reason to think that they won't. And then the big one in the Big Ten, probably the biggest game in college football this week, unbeaten 7th-ranked Penn State, 6-0 and on the year. They host Michigan, the 5-1 and Wolverines that uh, don't look now. I know that I'm not usually one to throw bouquets at – at the feet of a Jim You're Harbaugh say nice about Michigan? Michigan, 14th rated defense in the country, Pete. I tell me why I shouldn't love Michigan 
getting nine this weekend. I love them. I, 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 because Penn State, they've played two okay teams, Pitt and Iowa, and they needed everything in the bag to get by both of them in low-scoring uh, slugfest. I love the idea of the under on this. And, and you're right on Michigan. The crazy part about it is, I, I went on a, did a radio hit today uh, in Ohio with a Cleveland station, and they were like, well, is Jim Harbaugh about to get fired if he loses this? I'm like, what do you think Michigan's record is? And if you ask the average sports fan on the street, you know what's what's Michigan's record right now? They, the way it makes it sounds like oh my gosh they're three and three and they're just hanging on by a thread. They're five and freaking one. I know it's not pretty. I know it's not fun to watch, but they just kind of win games. They might have an offense that looks like it's going to turn it over on every play, but okay, as long as they don't get destroyed by Penn State, Harbaugh's all right. And you're right. I think this is a defensive slugfest, and I think Michigan's good enough to actually potentially win this, but you're right. Keep it close at least. Yeah, I I don't see why. I mean, a touchdown and a half it damn near is in that game. Like, that defense, you usually – I know the Wisconsin thing happened – Penn State's offense, they don't have Jonathan Taylor. No one in this country does have someone quite like that that was able to attack Michigan the way that Wisconsin did, God, almost a month ago now. I just don't see this one being Route City. I get it, whiteout conditions in Penn State this Oh, no, weekend, they're wearing but, white T-shirts. Woo. Oh, yeah, Penn State weirdos that are writing letters about the times that the old-timers were taking over. Hey, 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 my wife and I are, quote, older graduates from Penn State's You don't say. You could have left out the older. We would have caught on very quickly. I I have trouble not even picking Michigan straight up in it. I I just, uh, I I hate backing Shea Patterson, though. He is... He is one of the biggest myths in college football that gets defended for far too long. But I just don't – this Penn State team, anytime I trust they the play defenses. someone good. You're right. The Penn, yeah. State, Penn State's got the great pass rush. And that at the end of the day, you a, a soft breeze can stop Michigan's offense and throw it off a little bit. So that's a problem. But I will trust the Michigan defense. I'm with you. I'm not willing to go with the uh, Michigan winning this thing. They just looked so erratic on offense. Uh, but let's flip it around a little bit. You, you, whenever there's a, a – a, who's the most overrated head coach for whatever reason, James Franklin always seems to be on these various lists. And he, I th- I put him right there with in Harbaugh in my uh, apologist category. All the guy keeps doing is winning. And so you got these two coaches who are always maligned one loss, like, Oh, well, they're on a hot seat now. And if you look at them, they're among the top seven of power five coaches of the last five years and wins. And yet they don't get enough love because they have to deal with Ohio state every year and Ohio state's off cranking everyone. That's what they do. Yes, you're right. Like Penn State, they turned it around and got back to respectability with Bill O'Brien. And then when Franklin got there, it took off. Won a Big Ten, one of his first years there. I think it's third year. They win the Big Ten. They go to the Rose Bowl. They cough that up against USC. They come back and they answer with 11 more wins the following season. It's like last year, you would have thought the sky was falling. Oh, my God, Penn State, they're a disaster. Team's awful. Penn State finished nine and four last year. If that's awful, if that's a disastrous season, you're in pretty damn good shape. And, and look, and look at the work. comp for this. And this is why I keep saying I know Bo Pelini was kind of weird, but Nebraska fans couldn't get rid of him fast enough. Oh, we go, we got Scott Frost. This is fun. All Bo Pelini did was win nine or ten games every year he was there for eight years. And I know they got their doors blown off here and there in embarrassing fashion by Wisconsin and in championship games. But be careful what you wish for because winning nine or ten games is fun and not winning nine or ten games isn't. Yeah, well, there's plenty more coaches and coaching 
potential changes that we can get to here coming up in a little bit. A few more games to run through this weekend. That maybe not, they're not the biggest games of the year, but they do at least have championship apl- uh, implications, aspirations, on, aspirations, uh, implications, implications. Champion teams with championship aspirations. If we want to go that route, um, looking at the SEC. I, I'm not going to ask you to explain to me what the hell Georgia did last week or what that was, but is there any chance Florida going on the road a, a second consecutive week coming off of the emotional loss at LSU a week ago that they're in jeopardy a bit going to South Carolina a week after uh, things went differently for both teams? Only if they f- they're they beaten up, first of all. Their, their defensive front is beaten up a little bit, and you deal with that whole LSU thing, and that's uh, that was emotional and tiring. Uh, but South Carolina's a little beaten up, too, after doing what they did. Yeah, of course, South Carolina could pull that off again. But only if Florida screws this up, kind of like Georgia was able to do. What happened in that game is the, the passing game just didn't work. The running game wasn't really controlling anything. And, and then they just sort of gagged at the end. It was just a, a weird performance by Georgia. And, and they couldn't stop the, the South Carolina pass rush. So there's a chance. But I think that was an aberration. South Carolina is not going to score. So it's up to if Florida scores at all, it wins. It's no problem. Uh, the problem is, yeah, I, I just don't think South Carolina can hang with them in any sort of shootout. So I'm long-winded way of saying I'm going Florida. I say, nah, it's not going to happen twice in a row. Yeah, I have trouble believing. Like South Carolina is the same team that figured out a way to lose that game to Mac Brown in North Carolina earlier this year. I, I'm betting against them doing it twice in a row. So wait a minute. So we're we, wait a minute. In the same segment, you're you're saying ah, I might pick Michigan. And wait a minute, Florida, I'm just going to pick them because oh, they might be pretty good. Who? Are, you, I, I don't know who this is post-marathon Nick Shepkowski. I don't know who this is. I See, it's not that I said Florida's that good. Remember, even though I know I tweeted it at you Saturday night when they went on their run and they took the lead and it was like, oh boy, uh-oh, what the hell's happening with Florida? They finally showed up. It took them a long damn time. But I'm afraid here, one, Georgia's not as good as I thought they were going to be which means Florida's got a damn good chance of playing the the first weekend in December in old downtown Atlanta against either Alabama or LSU. Well, here's the thing. Georgia's is good. They're not playing up to it. And if you're looking at who's got the NFL talent out there, and this is kind of the, the problem with the college football playoff thing going forward, where, okay, who can actually get in there and win it? Who's got the guys? Who's got the athletes who can not only get there, but beat Alabama and, say, Oklahoma, or beat Alabama mm-hmm. and Clemson, who can actually pull this thing off? And Georgia's still one of the five teams that can probably do that. They're just not there. Their defense is great. Their offensive line is still Still one of the best in the country, even though they got housed last week. They just, for whatever reason, they don't have that explosion at pop at receiver that they need to have. Yeah, it's a young receiving core, and Kirby Smart, my God, he's like, it feels like it's an SEC version of what Mac Brown was for an extended amount of time. And once Mac Brown got Vince Young, he won his championship miraculously. He might have won a second championship if Colt McCoy doesn't lose feeling in his shoulder against I've gotten Alabama. so many arguments about that one, by the way, and Alabama has proved over time that I'm probably wrong, but uh, I, I've, I said that at the time, too, and I've been yelled at very vehemently by Alabama fans. But to the point of it, he recruits in its top three, top five class after top five class, and it's a dumb coaching decision time and time again that continuously bites the Bulldogs in the rear. By the way, fun stat, uh, that Alabama team uh, beat Colt McCoy. That's the only Nick Saban team that went coast-to-coast undefeated. 
You're right. It is. Yeah. Because even the year, like, they beat LSU in the championship game. They lost to him in the regular season. Um, various other ones. The Johnny Manziel game in 2012, they lost before they they got into the t- title and blew the doors off in Notre Dame. Yeah. It's not- so basically, you realize what we're doing here. We're just stalling. We're, we, we want Ohio State, Wisconsin to get there undefeated in a couple weeks. We have to have Alabama, LSU. I know that there's a, an Auburn game for LSU there somewhere, but we want Alabama, LSU to get there undefeated. We, we want these big boys to get there uh, and just have these epic showdowns going forward. So I guess what we're hoping for is out of this week, just nobody get hurt. You know, Jonathan Taylor, don't get hurt. Ohio State guys, stay healthy against this brutish Northwestern team. They're, we don't want to see anything stupid happen into the top guys in the SEC. Just everyone stay healthy, put them in bubble wrap, get your games over, and let's get to the big ones already. Okay, so for two more this week, and then we'll get into more some big picture stuff, some coaching change stuff or potential coaching change stuff. Go out west very quickly because there's games that do technically still have potential college football playoff Meaning on the line, Oregon going on the road. You hesitated. To Oregon, Washington does have meaning. It on does the line. because because Oregon's playing. Is it God, this Washington team? I hesitate to say like they're in the most disappointing teams in the country field, but each time I watch them, I walk away just what the hell was that? They got the wrong Jake at quarterback. It seems like and things just that that Washington team hasn't impressed me. But it feels like Oregon gets through this and. It's never clear sailing, but you gotta love their chances to get to the Pac-12 title game with just the one loss in Week One against uh, against Auburn. It is impossible to get Pac-12 fans fired up about next to anything, except for when it comes to Washington fans. Oregon fans are a little bit like that too. USC fans when their team's really good, but Washington fans get really salty really fast. And this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, and that's exactly what it looks like. They lose everyone on defense, but their defense has been fine. Their offense has been fine. You know, the loss to Cal was acceptable because that's what Cal does. The loss to Stanford was absolutely inexcusable. They were a backup quarterback who's not even Davis Mills is not even playing against UCLA and the offensive line was decimated and they just got outplayed and just it was that's a loss you could not have if you were Washington now if you're Oregon show up this is where you've got to rise up and rock this defense is playing out of its mind the offense is playing phenomenally well they just had a bad couple minutes against Auburn and that's it but if you look at their schedule get through the rest of this at 12 and 1 I think they're going to be right there in the mix of the college football playoff on a resume yeah i think that it's if, if you're oregon right now obviously you have to win out first and foremost but you're rooting against the ohio states and wisconsin's you're rooting for someone to stumble in that in oklahoma you're hoping for them to somehow clemson, stumble. that's the one clemson you need. you need an acc upset somewhere in there or you need south carolina the last week of the regular season to go and do it a second time this year to knock off a top five foe in order to get in wouldn't that be amazing you know what i have nothing for wilk muschamp or anything but for south carolina they've had to sit there and eat it for clemson fans are so in south carolina fans faces and south carolina is just one of those programs it's just never won it's just never won anything fun it was up until a few years ago actually up until steve spurrier took over it was essentially vanderbilt and now you got clemson who's pile drive them all and their fans are all over the place that would just be a hysterical thing if they ruin Clemson's chances this year it would be all, like <laughs> I'd laugh my ass off if South Carolina ended up being not even bull eligible but then they have wins over or at Georgia <laughs> and over Clemson as well it'd be a hell of a story a hell of a 30 for 30 down the road to uh 
to tell that tale of them. Want to talk some uh, some potential coaching changes or coaching carousel? What we've learned the first half of the year. Absolutely. All right. Like, well, do we talk Joe Moorhead, who's a, the probably going to Rutgers? Is the the, or the the rumor scuttlebutt from Mississippi State? That's you need to explain that to me. I can't because why would you take? Why would you leave any SEC job, let alone an SEC West job, and go to of all places Rutgers? Now you I get that. Make, I get the leaving the SEC West job because but you're that's going, no fun. You're going you can, to maybe the hardest place to win based off of one Rutgers. Your history is awful. Two outside of the SEC West, where you're not Arkansas, if you're at Mississippi State, you're. I get it. You're not like a perennial power in that division. But at Rutgers, you're Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, right off the bat, and you got to do a lot of work just to catch up to Maryland and Indiana at this point. Absolutely, I, I I get leaving the SEC because it stinks, and you know, it, it, to talk to other SEC fans whenever I go on radio stations in the South and do stuff, it's like they're like, "Wow, can we get to seven or eight wins this year?" It's like, who cares? Who cares if you go ten and two? Who cares if you go six and six? Just go to a bowl game, and it's like you're just you're gonna go to a bowl, and you're not gonna win the SEC championship because Alabama's gonna win it. So it just doesn't matter if you're a Mississippi State. Oh, we're eight and four this year. It doesn't matter. Say, but at least I can get that but going to Rutgers like you said good luck because you're Rutgers and you have to figure out how to beat those teams but you know what if you've got ties and maybe if you've got that uh the scheme that Joe Moorhead's got that maybe that works that's the thing about his thing about Mississippi State that offense is not kicking in like it's supposed to under his tutelage and I, maybe you can do that with New Jersey players but I don't know I don't think it's true yet but that's just been the rumor that's gone around lately so where are the other coaching changes going to be happening who's the next either to get fired or that ends up resigning at the end of the year is it safe to say that the Illinois experiment with Lovey Smith has failed. Are you on board with that? Finally Miserably. Yet? And I don't know if you're Lovey Smith. I, I was so excited about this hire because I like, okay, at the very least, Illinois is going to be one of those teams that every week, you know, you better bring a bag of knuckles because you're going to have to deal with this defense because Lovey Smith's going to have the type of defense that just makes everybody's life miserable. And that's just not been it. They're, they've had no defense. They've had no. They've been in a rebuilding plan every year. It's always like, oh, they get one or two really good recruits, and the fan base is like, oh, we got this guy. This year it was Isaiah Williams at quarterback, who's not even playing really yet. And we, oh, we got these couple guys, and it just doesn't matter. And it's a place that you should be able to win at, and they just can't. Yeah, it's not like that division. Yes, Wisconsin looks great. Minnesota is much improved. But there's a steep cliff there. Nebraska's nowhere where they're supposed to be. Purdue's nowhere near where they're supposed to be. Iowa, when they've lost, their offense has looked pathetic at times this year. It's not like you have to be great to be competitive in this division, not necessarily win it, but at least be respectable. They've gotten no damn better. And it was, oh, all the, all the transfers that Lovey Smith is bringing in. It's going to be a quick hitter, and he's going to turn this around, and going to have some veteran bodies and no, this team is awful, and it's laughable that after they gave up the 63 spot to Iowa last year, he got handed an extension. I don't understand how you can justify the second the final gun goes off against North, uh, Northwestern at the end of the year, not coming out immediately after the game and saying, there's going to be a coaching change. We're moving on from this guy who did not do a damn thing that we thought he was going to do when he was hired. You realize they're going to beat Wisconsin now and screw this all up. No, they're not. I will do something utterly ridiculous. On video, if you 
think that if Wisconsin loses to Illinois. We're, we're way overdue for one of those weird, odd seven turnover Wisconsin games that they have every once in a blue moon. You, the Joel Stave type games in the past. It's not, it's not going to happen. But it, it's a program that you know, we're going way deep on Illinois here, I know. But it's a program that there's no excuse to not at least be Missouri. You've got the recruiting base. You've got Chicago. You've got St. Louis. You've got Indianapolis. You're right in this middle of everybody. And they just can't seem to get the guys there and they can't seem to get any interest whatsoever in Chicago. I mean, we're here in Chicago. I don't even know they exist. There's just no Illinois buzz, and there's obviously a fan base here just waiting to bust out if anything good ever happens. Yeah, for basketball, for football, it's it's a huge fan base that has been so quiet of late because they've been given no other option by their athletic department. What is, like, like what's the ultimate ceiling that program can be? I'm not asking them to be going to the Rose Bowl. Hell, the Ron Zook thing was insane when it happened. Like, what is the ceiling for an Illinois program to even be, though? Is it that hard? Is it that ridiculous to think six wins, seven wins, regular bowl games, even if they are just the Texas Bowl or whatever Joe Schmo Bowl you want to send them to? Like, is that that hard to come up with? Is that ridiculous to think? Yeah, to all programs like Rutgers and, and Illinois and the ones that are just – you can't really do much of anything. Purdue, I guess, is the best example. Find an identity and start there and, and say, we're gonna, we know that every week you can count on this team being this. It can be like what Georgia Tech did under Paul Johnson where you know every week we're going to have to deal with this option offense. With Purdue right now, I know they're struggling. I, they've got everyone hurt. But at least you knew, okay, we've got the Jeff Brom offense that can go off at any one time. We're going to have to at least be, come out there and score. you you got to have something that, that's really kind of how Wisconsin did this is that they very often Alvarez took over and said, we are going to run the ball and we are going to do all the little things right. And that's been the program. doesn't matter whether it was Brett Bielema, whether it was Greg, uh, Gary Anderson, now uh, whether it's Paul Christ, the, the style just continues to work. No penalties, no turnovers, time of possession, do everything right, good, decent special teams, and run, run, run. And we're going to get these offensive linemen that are going to barrel through everyone. And you know, next year, that's how this team's going to be. Five years from now, that's how this team's going to be. And that's you need that identity where Illinois or Rutgers is going to be attached to something like that. That's, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought that the Ron Zook thing was a start, and then they couldn't ever do it two years in a row, which was confusing as well, all. Well, they also didn't play anybody in that Rose Bowl year. They, they, they beat usually, Ohio it, State. Ohio State played in the championship game. Did they? I can't remember. Yeah, I think they probably missed the something. And then they went, and I think like the next week or two weeks later, they put up like a three spot or something at Iowa. Usually, if you look through recent Big Ten history, and this includes Wisconsin when it was going to Rose Bowls in the mid-90s, it's mostly because you missed Ohio State. So there's always some reason where either you tied or you came up the one win you had to have over Ohio State, or more often than not, you didn't play Ohio State, and oh, magically, magic, you got into the Rose Bowl or some Big Bowl because of it. So who else are you looking at here that would be hot seat consideration for you? Obviously, Clay Helton and Urban Meyer We've talked about that since the middle of July, I think, of that, not necessarily rumor, but speculation of what might happen at USC. And guy Urban Meyer goes there, then USC is, you assume they're back in very short order. What about, I think, staying in the Big Ten, though, 
What about Michigan State? Are we sitting see, sitting here seeing the final days or final weeks of the Never. Mark D'Antonio? He's a made man. Mark, Mark D'Antonio is an absolute made man. He's There's a couple steps that would have to happen before that happens, and that means he would have to go through a couple of assistant coaching go-arounds, but no, no chance that he's gone anytime soon. Okay, because I mean that just feels like it is a – I know that their offense wasn't supposed to be good, but it's a defense that – Okay, it held Jonathan Taylor last week, and then it got thrown all over. It's just well, the, the thing about also to go back to Clay Helton, that's not a sure thing that it's Urban. Just the, the Cleveland Browns job is going to be open in a hurry, and that might be one of those things that's like, all right, enough of this college stuff. And apparently, he's liking this life of the Fox life, and so if there is a college gig out there, it would have to be something like USC because Urban Meyer's wife famously did not like Gainesville. Florida and would sure. want to have a bigger lights. So uh, I do think though, he might be more pro. And if the USC job comes open, that's, that's the number one gig going. That's not just urban that you throw that open to everybody at that point. Definitely that. I mean, it's USC, even though they've had their struggles that is still name brand university. When you talk college football and they're young, they've got a ton as... of young talent. So whoever takes over has a fully stocked cupboard for the next couple of years. They have NFL players all over the field watching a game against Notre Dame. They have, okay. No one has Alabama or Clemson's receivers. I get that. Those are, those are NFL Ohio players. State's pretty close by the way. USC's pretty damn close. Yeah. Like, USC's USC got has receivers. gotten three guys that can just go up with any defensive back and snag a damn thing away. Like it is just, crazy to me that they have struggled kind of to the might that they have, but I guess that just speaks to incompetence at the head coaching position is what it ultimately falls on. At any other jobs that might become open here, that big ones at least, or interesting ones at least, that not giving the uh, due justice to of that might be a real interesting thing come the final couple weeks of this year. and uh, Oklahoma. Yes. Yeah, that's not because of a hot seat, but that's because of a uh, That's very because your Dallas Cowboys seat is not going too hot right now, and Jerry Jones is not going to settle for that for wait for too much longer if, if this keeps going the way it's been going. So I ask you this. USC's open, Oklahoma's open. Which is the more compelling job to take? <sighs> I would say USC – because your Pac-12, your L.A., you can recruit a little bit stronger on a national scale. You get the California. And plus Oklahoma, you're gonna have, they're going to find a Ryan Day type who comes in and just like you, you don't really hear about him. And all of a sudden he becomes the next Lincoln Riley, yeah. some you know 14-year-old kid who comes in and just has another offense. Charlie Weiss Jr. Going. goes from Florida Atlantic to. Exactly. So there's something like that. But I, I, that's a great question. I, I think I would go with USC, but maybe that's just my own inherent bias. I would. I'd rather live in Los Angeles than Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's one part of it. I, Oklahoma has just been the Lincoln Riley thing. If he's three years and done, that will be, that will be. You could argue like the best three-year run for a head coach ever. And he I won't, can beat it. And he won't have won a national championship. You, I mean, you, you can know make who beats the, it? Frank Leahy. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. His he had run Oregon. at Oregon. I think it was might have been four years. But remember, they lose to they lost to Boise State in his first game, mm-hmm. and then they just never lost again, except in, except like Cam Newton or in the Rose Bowl. I mean, they they, they were just that was that. And that's what makes this. You talk. Something's gonna have to happen with him because this has just been such a a, a horrific run for at UCLA. Nothing's working. And it's you. It's not Chip Kelly. This is the Chip Kelly of the past. Those teams were killing everyone, and this one just isn't. 
He's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. College football, hot seats, anything else there? Willie Taggart, he's righted the ship. They're up to four and two. Yeah, they're good, actually. They're probably... Might lose to Wake Forest this week, but they they've got enough talent there that you can look forward and say, okay, there's something there. They're passing the ball well. They've got guys in place. It needs another recruiting class or so, but he stays. Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee is the one other one who hasn't been there for that long, but that's a hot seat that he's got to start winning or or things. There has to be some sort of a sign that things have to go better. And again, that has to be a program that has to have an identity that you know, okay, it's Tennessee football. They can do this right. When does Scott Frost have to start winning? Because all off season they were like they were like the Michigan of the Big Ten West. Oh, Nebraska, year two of Scott Frost, they're going to be great. They got the crap Not with us, kicked they out of them. You're right. We had it right about them, but nationally, you pick up any publication and it's oh, Nebraska's back. Nebraska's back. Minnesota beat the living piss out of them on Saturday night. <laughs> And it it wasn't competitive. It wasn't compelling. It was like a dog just mauling a, a, a squirrel or something. It was it wasn't a contest. I I still keep going back to the same thing, and I know it's kind of easy, lazy analysis, but Tennessee, Florida State, uh, UCLA, and like Nebraska are all again, kind Pete. of in the same bunch. Where what was what's their main issue? They're they just don't have the lines. It's a, you know you have bad luck at Tennessee where some great recruits didn't pan out. Jim Moore Jr. left the cupboard bare at UCLA. It was completely depleted under Jimbo at Florida State, and Nebraska just doesn't have the dudes. I mean, they're not doing the things weight room and health-wise that they did way in the past when Nebraska was awesome, and they just don't have the guys up front, and that's coming through, and they don't have the defense. They don't have the defensive guys to be able to hang, but Minnesota just started barreling away, and they pounded away at will on them. Yeah, that was a bloodbath, and it's another one of those games where the final score, it it wasn't... it looked closer than that game felt at any point. It never felt like if Minnesota wanted to score that they were ever going to be stopped. And I, I, I thought Nebraska would not be great at the start of this year, but I thought they'd kind of grow as the year went on. And um, I guess, well, we're still waiting on that. It's Pete Futek, Nick Shepkowski with you, the College Football News Podcast. Not the most compelling of Week 8s to look over. Went over the schedule there a bit. Looked at Penn State and Michigan, Oregon, Washington, South Carolina, Florida, Arizona State, Utah. If there's a team that I want to put on or need to put on Georgia watch this week, is there a team that needs to be weary? Is there one game out there for a top 25 team playing an unranked team? And there's a ton of those contests. Is there one that you look at and you, you scratch your head a little and say, all right, I could see it happening? Did we talk about with Florida and South Carolina? I guess that we would have to did, be it, right? I it's guess. South Carolina at home. Florida's a little beat up. That might be it because there's nothing else out there that you, you couldn't even see. I mean, South Carolina and Georgia, you can kind of see a little bit even. I could Just because Georgia, Georgia wasn't great. But, yeah, I, I think there's a shot there that you know Florida could have a problem. Okay, I, I just I, I'm looking at it, and it's I guess that was that's what makes upsets so damn good is that you don't see them coming, you don't give somebody a chance. It just does not seem like there is much of an opportunity for that. I guess if I have to put one out there that I'm interested in, Boise State going on the road to BYU. BYU is just a weird place to play. I just uh, that's all I'll say, and I don't think BYU is anything special or anything good this year. It's just a weird 
place to play and weird things happen. And that's the one that I kind of have on a little bit. There's of your hot seat watch. too, by the way, also Klein Sataki. Yes. That's a big job that uh, lots of people want to see that program start to rock and roll again, but that's another one. Want to do some uh, mid season power five to kind of cap this, uh, Let's this do episode. That. All right. We'll go in no particular order. Actually, we'll go in a particular order that I predetermined, but you don't have to know that. Your winner, for we'll do five topics or five awards to hand out. Instead of what we normally do on the Power Five each and every week, we go through the big five conferences and find a story or find a game that's not being discussed enough, and we give us our thoughts on it. Instead, we'll give five awards away here in the Power Five to cap off the midway point of the 2019 college football season. Pete Futek, your award for the biggest disappointment in college football. It could be a player, it could be a coach, it could be a team. What's disappointed one Pete Futek the most in 2019? I, I, UCLA. I, I thought this was going to be the team. I, I just you, At the end of last year, you could kind of start to see, okay, now it's starting to come around a little bit. You, Chip Kelly got the free pass for year one. Okay, he's got to take over. He's got to completely revamp this thing. And at the end of the year, the offense started to click. Joshua Kelly looked great. They beat USC. And it's like, all right, they're, they're going to have an offseason now. He can put it all together. Now, at the very least, UCLA might not be very good, but if you look at their schedule, they can beat Cincinnati. They can beat San Diego State. They, they have a whole bunch of winnable games on this thing. They could they could really challenge and they were just miserable. They just outside of a nice 19 minutes against Washington State, they just don't have anything that's working. Yeah, it's tough to argue against that. Like UCLA, you thought a step was coming, something was coming, and it's the Washington State thing, and that's pretty much it this year. For me, it's Michigan State, and maybe part of that's because I bought in a bit more to Michigan State at the start of the season. But that offense, I, I, I said that they had an outside threat, an outside chance to win the Big Ten West. And that was ridiculous. I thought well, they'd be wait, Before you dog them though. too much, in terms of biggest disappointments, to be very fair, they lost on the road into, to a Wisconsin team that's been historically great over the first six games. Okay. They lost to Ohio State on the road, who's got probably the best team in college football. And, okay, they lost to Arizona State, who's pretty good and has got the defense uh, to be able to hang with. So the Arizona State game's unforgivable, but other than that, it's, it's the, the other two losses you can't really hammer them too hard on. I can, though. Because if you're supposed to have the best defense in the league, if you're supposed to have the most defensive talent of anyone short of Ohio State, you can't get outscored 72-10 to 10 in those games. You just can't. You need to put up, stop someone at some point. You don't belong on the same field with those two teams. Forget, being, forget going and winning and pulling an upset against one of them. You can't even be competitive against it. You still have Penn State on the schedule. You still have to go to Michigan on the schedule for a team that I thought was going to be right around 10 wins, maybe have a threat to win the Big Ten East, it's going to be a team that walks out of here probably 7-5. and five. That's if they avoid getting upset by somebody along the way. Yeah, I know you loved them. I did too. And I, I, I thought that, okay, you got an offense to go along with this defense. I was expecting a little more. But, again, I, because Wisconsin, to go to the next question, who's uh, the real you know, sharp, who's the, been the biggest surprises of this, and Wisconsin's up there, those two losses, again, even how they lost, I'm not going to dog them too much. I mean, those are two nasty places. Those are two tough games to, to deal with, and they had to go on the road to face, face them both. Okay, so on the other side of that, instead of it being biggest surprises, the award that gets handed out that pretty much always goes to whoever 
the biggest surprise is in college football. Who is your coach of the year at the halfway point in 2019? I, Paul Christ. I mean, you could, there's a bunch of good jobs being had out there. Ryan Day with what he, I mean, I got, he inherited the world, but all the pressure was there on his shoulders to keep this whole thing going. And they've been nothing short of flawless so far. Scott Satterfield, what he's doing at Louisville has been great. Uh, there've been a whole bunch of other pretty good jobs going on out there, but what Paul Christ has done this they have been razor sharp and it's not just against the Michigan and Michigan states of the world. Kent state. I know they're bad central Michigan. I know they're bad, but you see sometimes what happens is teams comes out, comes out in games like that and just kind of lollygag through it. And in every game so far, they have been razor sharp from the moment, from the opening kickoff. And they've just been not, not no blip the entire way so far. You have to go back to some 1960s Oklahoma teams for the last time any Anybody has shut out four teams in the first six games. They're number one in the country in stuff like third down defense and penalties and time of possession and all these different things. They are just doing absolutely everything right. I'm not saying they're the best team in the country or anything, but in terms of just how they are playing, there's nobody who's playing sharper in all phases right now than other maybe Ohio State than Wisconsin has been so far. Yeah, Wisconsin has looked lights out, and that's going to be a hell of a game here next week when I'm sure we'll do an in-depth preview on that get some uh get some talk on wisconsin get some talk on ohio state so who's really. yours who's your coach right now i Lovey think smith no yeah lovey smith coach of the year uh, i think it's a coach that's going to be taking over a big 10 job before too long i'll go and i'll hand it out to somebody that i thought this team would be good i didn't know they'd get we're going to be quite this good and i expect them to probably be one of those teams that uh, if they can get just a little bit of help from maybe that Boise State thing that I was talking about earlier, them maybe getting upset on the road. Cincinnati and Luke Fickle, he has done a fantastic job with that program. I know they weren't competitive against Ohio State. I thought they were going to be not competitive or knocking on the door of an upset win, but I thought they'd at least make it kind of interesting. They got annihilated 42 nothing. Now we've learned how good Ohio State is, and you can't take a ton away from that, but beating Central Florida. Having the being in the driver's seat right now that they are in the American Conference, the American Athletic Conference, and looking at this thing and realizing, wow, Cincinnati, they do this, they continue this run, they're going to be an 11 win team, they're going to be crashing the New Year's Six party, and they very well could be a, a, a place where Luke Fickle is looking at, oh, there's a whichever hey, opening it might be. Oh, yeah, Rutgers, right. He's he's going to be the man that saves Illinois. No, that'd be too wise of a hire for Illinois. Maybe it'll be Michigan State or something. But Luke Fickle has done a phenomenal job with Cincinnati, and I fully expect them to be knocking on the door of a New Year's Six game by the end of November. So some Wisconsin love, some Cincinnati love, and some love for some other teams there as well. But uh, Fickle gets mine. Chris gets yours for Coach of the Year. We carry on the best game of the first half of 2019, Pete Futek, who does it go to? The the UCLA-Washington State game is taking on kind of mythical proportions. Like, I, I didn't know that many people watched Pac-12 after the after dark when it, that game was ending at about 3 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. And now apparently it's like everyone saw, you know, the, the historic, everyone saw the Wilt Chamberlain 100-point game. Everyone claims they saw UCLA-Washington State, and I guess they could go back and watch it. Uh, but at the time, I, I was shocked that the people were watching this thing so late. 
that was as good as it gets. I mean, both teams are bad. As it turns out, Washington State's awful. UCLA's god-awful. And yet, those two teams put on the most wild and wacky show you could ever watch in college football for about 19 minutes in that second half where I, I believe, I should know this better since it's my game of the year so far, uh, I believe I'm right in this, I think UCLA was scored 50 points in the second half, something crazy like that. Uh, it was just amazing to watch. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Obviously, a strong one. It was talked about. It was tweeted about. It was discussed all across the country. There was one that I, I I'm doing this partly because it didn't get the attention that I thought that it deserved, and it happened last week when a home team that was undefeated at the time lost on their home turf. You mentioned uh, the team a little bit earlier that upset them as a surprise team. I'm going with Louisville and Wake Forest, the 62-59 to shootout a week ago that dashed the Demon Deacons' quest for a perfect season. That was on ACC Network, so who watched it? I followed it through Twitter the entire time because of various... Because <laughs> the ACC Network doesn't exist in most yeah, homes Sure as hell not in the Midwest like we're at. I don't know yeah, where you have I... to go to... But that was... a fascinating follow of oh wow Louisville turned a corner they're looking right oh god here comes this oh my I hope I bet the over in it it feels like a long time ago that uh, that Wake Forest the the picture of Frank Beamer that went viral because Virginia Tech had gotten a stop to force overtime and the score was 0-0 and he has his fists both clenched in the air and the graphic pops up of it being 0-0 it was 180 degrees different than what that was, and uh, yeah, I was, I, I'm not gonna lie, was rooting a little bit for Wake Forest to carry on that undefeated record as long as they. Yeah, possibly they're a could. fun team, and they kept turning the ball over, which was their problem. But they, that was a fun game, fun team. And they, but we're talking about two shootouts here, and I, I guess what we're saying is offensive shootouts can be fun. You know, in terms of uh, just compelling matchups and games, that North Carolina Clemson thing up until the very end, it just seemed like Clemson's really going to blow this game. It just, you know, oh my gosh, North Carolina is going to actually pull this off at home. They're playing better. Uh, and then all of a sudden they just couldn't come up with that. They ran the worst possible two point conversion play. And that, game, even with a win, might come back to bite Clemson, at least in a bunch of arguments late in the season. Yeah, they'll, it'll at least create an argument, but as long as they go undefeated, I don't oh, see yeah. it uh, being any real issue for them. If Maybe they in lose, terms of though, seeding. then that's going to be, hey, you lost to a bad ACC team because that's all they play the rest of the way, and you came this close to losing North Carolina. The other one that gets a lot of love that I didn't, not that I disliked the game, it was a fun game to watch, but Texas and LSU very early on, it just felt like early on you knew in that game that Texas was not going to be able to get a stop when they needed to. And, yeah, it came down to an onside kick, essentially, and that's what determined the outcome. But you just knew it felt like that entire game that you're watching, there was no stop to be had. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why that game didn't resonate with me as much. It was interesting, but I, I, I don't know why. It was Texas and LSU. I should have been more into it. I watched it. Of course, Burrow was amazing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you're right. I just kind of felt like, okay, Texas is just never, ever going to stop this thing. And now Louisville – I'm sorry, Louisville. LSU is going to be a thing because of what they're doing. It's this really, really bad defense that can't tackle. All right, Pete, are you a Heisman voter? I am a Heisman voter. I know that you aren't asking – for your ballot this early in the year, at least from the actual Heisman committee, but from the Nick Shepkowski Best Player in College Football Award Committee, I'm asking for your ballots after week seven. 
Who's your best player in college football halfway through this year? Yeah, it's. I always kind of make it a, two different arguments here. The best player in college football is kind of different than who's the signature guy. And who is the guy that we say, we look back at the first half of the 2019 college football season, and we say, this is the guy who made it the college football season so far. And that's how usually I do the Heisman based on just the who's the main guy for the regular season. And I, this is so nasty hard because I, how do you vote against Jalen Hurts? And he has been un, absolutely fantastic. Take, I mean, look what he's done. He took over for two straight Heisman winning first pick overall. And if you also remember last year in the Alabama spring game, he could not throw at all. And for him to go from that to being this this historically great, efficient passer and all-around playmaker, uh, all the pressure was on the world, and the world was on him to carry this team early on, and he's done it. So I, I kind of think Jalen Hurts is that. But then again, how do you not vote for Joe Burrow? How do you not vote for Tua, who just keeps doing performance art? Jonathan Taylor's upped his game a couple notches. Justin Fields has been close to perfect. It's a it's a fantastic, fantastic Kaiser race. I, say, I, I think if I had to do it right now, I would probably go with Jalen Hurts, but that's I just, I'm pulling, I got five guys in a bag. I'm pulling one of them out. Yeah, it's been a long way since it was just Tua and Trevor Lawrence and everyone else. This, this season has been fascinating. I think that it has been... Who's your Heisman vote go to? Mine goes to uh, the best player on the team that you've been all about throughout Chase the Young? season so far this year. Uh, no, not him. Jonathan Taylor. I know that Michigan State contained him a little bit last week, but he is as dominating of running back as you have in this entire country. He, This Wisconsin thing, maybe just because they have a W on their helmets and they don't have Buckeye stickers on it, they don't get the love maybe nationally that I think that they deserve. But Jonathan Taylor is the is the key cog in that whole thing, and he has not disappointed whatsoever. He had sky-high expectations going into this year. He somehow has exceeded them and, to me, has been the best player in college football that you take him off of that Wisconsin team. And, all right, is it that easy for them to be able to get another running back to kind of plug and play? They're nowhere near that dominating level that they've been on, even though I know they have a good defense, even though I know that they have a capable passing game this year, which is a little bit different for them. I, he's been as impressive as anyone to me, and it just surprises me each week that I kind of look up and, oh, his Heisman odds are going down and going down and going down. No one betting on him, no one having belief there, but I, that's, I think that's only going to get stronger as the season goes on as well in terms of his numbers and his output playing in the old Midwest. I'd actually push back a little. I, I still think they're six and zero if they don't have Jonathan Taylor. It certainly wouldn't have been as easy. Uh, but they're they're getting this done with their lines as well. But to your point, he's upped his game. I mean, the, his numbers would have been astronomical to a, even a whole other degree over his first two years if he didn't have a fumbling problem. He couldn't stop dropping the ball inside the red zone. He's fixed that. He's added a passing, uh, a receiving element to his game, and that's changed things a little bit. So now he's he's not the leading rusher in the nation, but he leads the, the all running backs in touchdowns by a mile. And, yeah, it's, there's no arguing against him. All right, so final question then here on our Power 5. Your midseason, who is your best team in college football as we sit here at the midway point? If you like you did it before and you stripped it all away and you said, okay, we're just going to take all the brand names off and you're just watching the team A versus team team C and just see how they're all performing. 
Ohio State, I, I, I know they're one big games against Michigan State so far, but they've been flawless. I mean, that that's the combination of not doing anything wrong and they've got the guys. You know, where Wisconsin, you're seeing this, you're like, okay, this is amazing. But you know, at some point, the lack of a, a, a burner of a passing game is going to be an issue. And, and that's just not it right now when it comes to uh, Ohio State. They've got just everything humming. You've got the NFL talent on the defensive front. Chase Young actually is probably the best player in college football. Uh, the offense has been unstoppable. J.K. Dobbins, we haven't talked about, but he's playing out of his mind. It's a long-winded way of saying, I think Ohio State state's the best right now but if i'm betting alabama i think is the best team in college football but i would say ohio state's the best team right now okay ohio state gets your vote alabama in the conversation clemson's clearly been a disappointment even though being six and oh seems ridiculous to say uh lsu's kind of changed their ways the offense has been fun to watch I, them actually have an offense. God, how many years did we say if they just had something average at quarterback, they'd knock off Alabama? Or you be know a what's funny about champion. that is that I've, I keep hearing this. Jamarcus Russell was awesome. Uh, uh, Rohan Davey was awesome. They had some. They've had Zach Mettenberger was actually really good. They've had talent there. They've had offenses. They just have never been able to do this. How good was? How long was Russell good though? Because uh, like, he I had the bowl game the that time, they're like, he just vaulted. Oh, yep. All of a sudden, that's your number one pick. But I, two I, years. Okay. Yeah. And at the time, I remember thinking, I've never seen anybody like this. He, that's the greatest arm I've ever seen. He, 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 from wherever he was on the field, he flicked his wrist, and that was just a whole other worldly arm that he had. And obviously, it didn't work out at the next level. I have to go somewhere else of all the teams I just mentioned, though. Because of an upgraded defense, not to say the defense is great, but it's definitely been upgraded, and an offense that's as good as any in the country. Oh, you're on to me. You got me. No. This team averages more than a yard and a half more per play than Alabama, who has the second highest yards per play in college football this year. They have a defense that, like I said, is no great shakes, but uh, it's it's plenty capable. And you saw it last week. Oklahoma is my best team that I've seen so far. They're this great. Year. They are great. I, mean, I think that because they are of... going shakes. They 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 were for a while there. Their their third down conversion defense has been night and day better under defensive coordinator Alex Grinch, and they've found a pass rush. They just spent all last week jumping all over old Sam Ellinger's head down there. So they got enough of a defense. Yeah, that that's the part that I I think that this is the Oklahoma team that. We kind of talked last week. We had the the two guests on, and we looked in depth at the Red River rivalry because it's no showdown. longer a sh- or showdown. Yeah, it can't be a rivalry. It can't be a shootout because, I mean, you you can't say those words anymore, and you can't have uh, outdoor outdoor cocktail parties in college football either when Georgia and Florida play. And you because, can't combine shootouts and a cocktail well, party. That's bad real bad happen. news. Yeah, that's that's known as um, what I grew up on. Um, <laughs> it's it's my old neck of the woods. Is that was just called Saturday for us. But I, Oklahoma is a team that I, I look at that. I think that the defense is going to continue to grow with it. I don't think the offense is quite there yet. If I do have one concern, I watching the game Saturday, maybe this is a crazy thought. Did Jalen Hurts look fully healthy to you? Yeah, but here they actually had to play dudes. I'd actually show you the reason why he did not look healthy isn't because I don't think he's not healthy. That's a, he played a team with guys. Look at their schedule. Give me the win. Yeah. 
No, that's fair enough. That's a, UCLA. That's, a, that's a, Houston, South Dakota. I mean, they Kansas. They've been great, but they don't have that win over Florida like LSU's got. I mean, you can see the same for Alabama. Their big win, South Carolina. Uh, but they don't have the Michigan, Michigan State wins like Wisconsin. So, yeah, it's they've they've looked great. They still haven't played a defense, and they might not until they have to play Baylor, which shockingly enough has been the best defense so far in the in the Big 12. But they they just don't have that game. So to the point of an earlier part of the conversation is they can't lose. I, I don't think a 12 and one Oklahoma gets in this thing if there's a 12 and one Oregon or Utah at the end of the rainbow. Who is the most likely to have a loss at the end of their year? Clemson, the Big Ten champion, whether it be Wisconsin, yes. uh, Ohio Big State, or Penn champion. State, or Oklahoma. You go with the Big Ten champ. Yeah, Oklahoma's right there. Clem- if Clemson loses, they're going to have to really wet the bed because there's nothing there. They play nobody. So it's not going to be Clemson just because their schedule stinks. Uh, Big Ten, yeah, Ohio State could lose. I mean, they could split the games against Wisconsin. Uh, Oklahoma, yeah, they could get dropped on the right day. But I I still think they lose to Oklahoma State on the road. That just seems like the type of game at the end of the regular season where 11-0 Oklahoma goes in and Mike Gundy comes up with something special. There was a game a few years ago, several years ago now, when Landry Jones was quarterback at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State just came and just drop-kicked them. Uh, I think that that's probably waiting for Oklahoma at some point, but I definitely do think we are not going to have an unbeaten uh, Big Ten champion. If we do, it's going to be Ohio State. Yeah, that's Ohio State looks like it's the – they looked the part to me, at least in terms of the conference. That's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. Any grand takeaways that uh, we didn't get to from the first half of the season? Uh, the grandest of all takeaways is that we're not just saying it's it's the Alabama Clemson Invitational. It still might be. I mean, there's still both teams are probably going to end up in the college football playoff, but at least it's going to be interesting, and at least we're not going to be shocked if, like, let's say it's LSU beating Ohio State for the national championship, or if Oklahoma beats Wisconsin for the national title. We're not going to be stunned by it now. And in my perfect world, I, yeah, okay, Clemson and Alabama, go ahead, get in your college football playoff but let's get them in the semifinals. I'd like to see someone else play in this. I'd like to see someone else in the national championship, but I still kind of want to see Bama and Clemson go at it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing it in a semifinal, but I I just hope everyone has fun. That's my grand takeaway. No, it's been this year has been so much better than anticipated because at the start it was, okay, just a countdown to Clemson and, and Alabama. It's going to be the Trevor Lawrence show. It's going to be the Tua Tunga Viola show. And the Which rest is, a fun is show. just... It is a fun show, but it's just so much better when all the other episodes are out there, whether it's Joe Burrow and what's going on at LSU, whether it's Jonathan Taylor looking as good as any running back that Wisconsin's ever thrown out there, and God knows that they've had plenty of them. Or if it's you look, even in the even some of the surprises, whether it was Auburn's quick start to the year and their surprise win over Oregon, it's just been anywhere you look, there is a surprise for you. There's a contender for you in just about every conference that's out there that maybe you didn't think was going to be quite on on the level with the Bamas or the Clemsons entering this year. And I, I just don't go at it right now. It's not Alabama in the field. It's not Alabama and Clemson in the field for me. This that thing kind of might be damn, Alabama in the field, and we're just not realizing it yet. That might be, but at least I'm not admitting it to myself at this well, point. Well, they're going like to have to go through would. LSU and Alabama and Auburn and maybe a Florida or Georgia along the way here. So it's, at the very least, it's going to be fun, except when it comes to Clemson. Yeah, it, that, that part, I, I don't 
the Clemson thing needs to turn around. I know they're unbeaten, but uh, to me, they have looked disappointing at least so far this year. That's our first half recap show, our Woo-hoo. week eight preview show as well. He's Pete Futek at Pete Futek on Twitter. I'm Nick Shepkowski at Shep670 on Twitter. And we will talk again next week. Enjoy the games in week eight this college football season.